Try to um, have a sticky note next to your phone or on your computer that reminds you, you know, that you wouldn't be on this call, you wouldn't be on this interview if you weren't qualified. Um, a lot of candidates don't know that. We just don't invite everyone to interview. We invite the person that we think could be a 70 or 80% match just because as a recruiter, we're hoping to God that we can close out this role with you. Today on Women of Color Talk Biz Episode 8. If you were here for the last episode with career coach Stephanie Heath, you'll know we spoke about troubleshooting burnout. Well, I couldn't let her go without her speaking about salary negotiations because it's actually her specialty. She's also a trained psychologist and previous HR recruiter who's been on the floors of Amazon and Sony. She's now the founder of Soul Work and Six Figures. Okay. Welcome, Stephanie Heath. Thank you for coming back. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, I so appreciate you coming in uh, for Walk Talk Biz. And so today we're going to be going over salary negotiation. And I actually had this question on one of my first surveys. Professional women were saying, yes, we want this topic uh, shared and spoken about from someone who's Got some background on it, HR coaching and whatnot. So here we are. Um, and if you happen to be listening and you have follow-up questions, please send them in. Um, you can go to the website, uh, walktalk.biz, W-O-C. And, um, you know, if you want uh, Stephanie to specifically answer, just make a note of it and I will get the message to her. First, let's just get into like the best practices, the meat of what you're known for, which is salary negotiation. So for me, when I work with clients and just, you know, when I see, for example, students at a boot camp, I'm a career coach for, uh, most of the time the issue is their mindset and their self-belief and being able to advocate for themselves. So we'll just run through what you can expect during your salary negotiation and how to put that best foot forward um, from the beginning. So First things first is a negotiation starts on the first call. Uh, a recruiter's job is to, honestly speaking, sell you on the role and get you for a price that makes sense for the company, makes sense for you, but you know, just play that middle ground. So we're absolutely thinking about that, even if we're not asking you explicitly about you know, what are you looking for in terms of salary, that's one of our objectives. So um, for you, it's important that you are well-researched and you know what to ask for. And you can do that. There's lots of different places. You can see if there's any crowdsource information. You can see if you can find people that worked at the company prior to you, what they were making, and then also, of course, pay scale and glass door. And then from that sort of research um, activity, you can look at what the top of the range would be. And then you'd likely want to ask for maybe $10,000, $5,000 and more than that, just so that there's a little bit of a wiggle room when they're starting to negotiate you down. When we think about the, this first call, um, sometimes people that are more soft-spoken or people that are immigrants or English isn't their first language or imposter syndrome, you know, whatever it is, you um, may come across as a little bit desperate in the way that you're answering questions. So try to um, have a sticky note next to your phone or on your computer that reminds you, you know, that you wouldn't be on this call, you wouldn't be on this interview if you weren't qualified. Um, a lot of candidates don't know that. We just don't invite everyone to interview. We invite the person that we think could be a 70 or 80% match just because 
as a recruiter, we're hoping to God that we can close out this role with you. So mm -hmm. have that sticky note on your computer. And then um, as you're taking the interview, if you need to keep looking down at it, what that'll do is that'll make you not answer questions in a long long-winded way. Um, you don't have to uh, explain yourself unnecessarily or um, fill in silences. And all of that is just making you come across as a high quality candidate. And so, you know, when you interview with a company that you're not that interested in, you are a lot more articulate, you're straight to the point, you're asking questions you, you wouldn't normally ask. And because of that, they're chasing you and hounding you. So what that sticky note is doing is that it's bringing you into that space while you're interviewing with companies that you really, really want to work for. And all of those actions, that persona that you're, that you're taking on is going to um, make the recruiter or the person that's interviewing you realize or maybe tack on an additional 5K as they're thinking about what they can offer you. And I know that sounds like, okay, I don't, is that literal? And it, and it really is true, it is. By the time they ask you, okay, you know, what are you looking for? Regardless of if they're asking you this in a really kind, sweet way, or they're just like, hey, you know, um, you know, this year has been difficult for us and we don't have as much budget as we used to. You know, what are you looking for? Some recruiters or some companies can be more aggressive than others. At the end of the day, they still need to know what you're looking for. So, so you, you'll, you'll share that. You'll ask for more than you normally would, that 10 to 15K more. And um, by you taking on that persona, they're going to, say okay well I can't push back too hard on this person or you know if if you are still coming across as you really want this role then unfortunately in their mind they're deducting thousands of dollars or if it's an hourly rate they're deducting five dollars or two dollars from what they can offer you versus someone else so that that is the first step and honestly speaking that's probably just as that's that conversation is more important than the final conversation which is the negotiation that candidate think is a negotiation. So I will stop here just to see if you have any questions, but mm -hmm. that, that first call is where it starts and that's most important. And then the actual negotiation usually happens before or after your final round. And then you, your offer conversation when the person says, this is what we're offering you, that's not the negotiation. So happy mm -hmm. to talk about the second part, but mm -hmm. what do you think about that so far? Well, I think it's interesting that, you know, sometimes I get calls and people will start negotiating right there on the phone in the first call. And then sometimes they wait. And then it depends if it's full-time perm or if it's contract, um, which are big differences usually. My question is um, in terms of, should you be looking to, like, I usually already have in mind what, you know, the type of work that I'm after and what the rate is. Um, there can be differences in that when people are approaching, but when people are calling me and approaching me on the phone or through email or whatnot, what is uh, the difference between ranges when you get them as a contract role versus a perm? Or is there a difference? Is the range still going to be the same? Um, so the range would be different, but it's going to be based on your lifestyle. So mm -hmm. I know this to be true, but also um, as a contract worker, right, you're probably not going to have health insurance. So you're going to have to add that into your hourly rate. Mm -hmm. And then potentially you won't get paid for vacation time. So you want to make sure that you do that math mm. and then also do the same process. So research and see what other contractors are making at that company, um, years of experience, industry, et cetera. What do you do if a company's hands are tied? Um, if it's a situation where they want to give you everything, you've justified 
the value that you're bringing, the experience that you're bringing, you know, you've, you've done your due diligence, you've shown market rates, you know, that through salary guides and whatnot. Um, but they, they're unable to, for whatever reason, maybe they have a higher uh, salary cap. Like, how do you find out what the flexibility is and just ask, or, I mean, are, and are they always honest? Yeah. So there's, there's, there's around three questions there. Sorry, I had like a little notification. Oh, yeah. um, and we'll, we'll talk on, talk about all three of them. So um, one way to test to see if the company is being truthful about if that is the most they can do is if you quote unquote stand firm and say, hey, you know, um, I'm happy to sign today or I'm happy to, you know, put in my resignation if you can just come up a little bit, if you could just do a little bit more. And if they come back to you and they do a little bit more, depending on if you're someone that's making 65K to, to 85K, then that little more could be anywhere from 2K to 5K. If you're making, I don't know, 135, 150, upwards of 225 on the base, then that could be like another 10, 15,000 or something like that. But basically if they do a little bit more, then you kind of know that, all right, they're being truthful. This is all they can do for me. But um, in any case, if a company is telling you no, the best thing you could do is ask a clarifying question. And um, just try to, you know, just be a team player with whoever you're quote unquote negotiating with, Um, get them on your team, thank them for, you know, having the conversation with you, you know, let them know that you do have a follow-up question and, you know, you don't want to make their job more difficult, but um, currently I am in the interview process with a couple other companies and this is what I'm being presented for. These are the roles that I'm interviewing with uh, the budget that they've expressed to me positions you as a high quality candidate that everyone's, you know, chasing after. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. also it's like, it's not, you're not blaming it on any other things that typically recruiters know how to like Mm -hmm. having a PhD or a master's degree or years of experience or something like that. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that process can look like, let's say that you make it to, let's say you're on the first round, you're in the first conversation and you say, I'm looking for um, you know, 120K and they say, to be honest with you, we, you know, are looking to pay about 100K for this role. You could say, um, you know, thank you for sharing that. Um, I do want to learn more about the position and make a decision later on, but I just want to let you know that I'm actively interviewing with other companies and this is the range of that they're offering me. Mm-hmm. And usually the recruiter will drop the conversation and then you'll go through the interview process. And then, as I mentioned earlier, the real negotiation will happen right before or after your final round interview. And that is the negotiation. And I keep doing this because it's not really a negotiation. It's just a conversation. It's mm-hmm. you asking for what you want, but so, um, so during that conversation, that's usually when they give you the hard no, which is what you just said, right? When they're like, mm-hmm. listen, this is all we can do mm-hmm. 2020 has been bad for us. You know, you know, we really want to have you, but this is just too much. This is not what we had. Like sometimes they'll come at you different ways. So basically all you're hearing is that they're saying no. So, um, when I work with candidate, um, job seekers in the career catalyst, what I suggest is that they just listen and um, they let the person speak because that's important too. And mm-hmm. so as the person's expressing themselves, they'll, you know, say their no, and then they may say something like, okay, so are you okay with this? You know, or they'll say something to kind of like button you up and to have you say something back. Mm-hmm. So are you okay with this? You know, this is, this is what we can do. So now, you know, if you just want to accept, we'll do blah, blah, blah. That's when you, again, you slow it down. You thank them for their time. You know, you say that um, through this interview process, I've, 
this sounds so cliche, so you wouldn't say these words, but I've enjoyed speaking to Bob and Brittany. Um, you know, this product is amazing for this reason. I've spoken to a few other companies and you guys have standed out for this reason. Um, you know, when we initially spoke, I did, I did men speak, I did mention that um, I have been presented at around 120 to 135K. I would probably give a range. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's still true. Um, so, you know, do you guys want to just share what your, um, what your, your, not your thought processes, but how you came to this amount? So I favor that sort of question, um, but you can ask any other sort of clarifying question to get more information about how the offer was created or just some other aspect of the offer. And then they'll explain that. And what you just really want to do is just ask the question and just have them speak. So they'll speak. And then after, again, you go through the same process of thanking them for their time, explaining, mm -hmm. you know, why you're interested in the role and then just saying, you know, but again, at this time, this is what I'd be looking for. So, you know, if the team can come close to that or match it, I'd be happy to sign today or, you know, do whatever. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the conversation will end. The person will say, all right, you know, you went, you went around in a loop about twice. So 99% of recruiters, they're not going to push too much unless it's a company that's pretty aggressive. And then in my opinion, that would be sort of like a red flag, which you'd want to think about. So you'll mm -hmm. hang up. And then what happens is that, you know, me as the recruiter, whomever will go back to our team and say, hey, they're, they're going to need to come up a little bit. And usually we do have a budget to come up. We never give you the first ultimate what we can offer you unless it's like a nonprofit or a government firm which is another conversation but basically mm -hmm. so that'll happen and then they'll come back um and then they'll come back as much as they can mm -hmm. and it'll be up to you depending on how senior you are if you're someone that's making 200k on your base or 180 typically those negotiations can last a little bit longer you can come back and you can kind of have that dance again and you can ask for other things um and I usually don't recommend that people do that, meaning ask for a vacation time or blah, 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 because at the end of the day, it's important that you guys get paid for what you're worth. And, you know, I, in my opinion, vacation time doesn't equal cash in your hand. Mm -hmm. um, it's not going to pay for your child's private school or lessons. So, mm -hmm. um, so only ask, do that dance and asking for other things. If you're in like that second round and if you're ahead of person, you know, negotiate your, that's your title or something like that usually that really works and um, they're able to come up higher and just to make sure that you guys are still falling in within the top of the range that's why you want to add on 10 5 or 15,000 more to what your research indicates as the top of the range so that mm -hmm. once you do have that second negotiation when they come down they're not coming down too far do you mm -hmm. get what I'm saying yeah I do want to add this part it's important that you have this negotiation right after your final round, right when they're checking in, temperature checking, saying, you know, I do, I want to touch back in and see if this is still what you're looking for. Because when they are giving you that verbal offer with the number, that usually means that they've gone through a process of signing off from the VP of the HR, from that head of department that you're interviewing in. Mm -hmm. So it makes the recruiter's job a lot more difficult if now all of a sudden you're saying, I want $30,000 more. So it's important mm -hmm. to have that conversation the second time mm -hmm. it comes up, money comes up mm -hmm. versus at the end, because that's when you can piss people off and the recruiter won't be your partner anymore. And it's just you coming across as greedy. And why would the third time going a third round be a red flag? 
for the recruiter coming Mm -hmm. back and saying like, absolutely not. We still can't do this. Yeah. You said um, you could do Mm -hmm. a two round talk with them. And then usually it stops there. If it goes to a third time, then that might possibly be a red flag from the company side. It's just, it's just bad taste, I think. Right. So if you're blaming it on the fact that other companies are chasing you and this is what they're offering you, but they're still trying to get you to, to join significantly lower than what you're being offered at other places. And Mm -hmm. you've told them no. And you said, Hey, but if you can just, you know, do a little bit more. And then they say again, a third time, like, Hey, you know, this is, we can't do this. You know, you should, you know, trying to hard sell you again. So depending on how they say it, it may not be a a red flag, but if, they're being aggressive and they're saying, listen, this is all we can do. And they're not saying take it or leave it, but they have an aggressive tone. Mm-hmm. Then that is a red flag. And I think that companies that behave that way, sometimes um, these companies just have gotten so big and they hire recruiters. And depending on how you're presenting yourself, you may come across as someone that would take that. But mm-hmm. in, in any case, and then again, I would want to you know, speak to that person one-on-one to just um, not generalize too much. It is a little bit of a red flag when they're still pushing, pushing at you and pushing at you. Um, Because in my experience, and I've hired for every single investment bank across all investment banks, I've worked in, I've worked at tech startups, I've worked at huge entertainment companies. What I'm saying is that um, usually when, when they're sort of hard selling you, it's just, it's sort of, it's not a creepy, you wouldn't hear of a company like Goldman Sachs, or I would say Google, but you know, Google actually was kind of, they, they didn't treat one of my clients the best in the salary negotiation recently. But um, some of these companies that really put a lot of money into their human capital and their processes, and they really care about who they're hiring, they, you know, they're not going to hard sell you on something and they're not going to take an aggressive tone or, you know, have this sort of like take it or leave it attitude. It's okay. Well, you know, this is, I, I, I'm hearing that this isn't working for you and either we can come to some agreement or then we won't be able to afford you mm-hmm. versus just like hounding at you. So I'm not sure if that makes sense. I, yeah, I would want to, yes, speak to someone one-on-one to get their specific situation versus generalizing. It makes a lot of sense. For those of us who aim to please and can end up losing leverage, um, how can we stop ourselves from doing this in the process of negotiation? Yeah. So I would say the, the clients that I work with the most are empaths, are people that suffer from imposter syndrome and are more soft-spoken. I'm the same way. And I've still been able to negotiate high salaries for myself. Um, so it doesn't matter. I've had people that are really introverted, really shy, and I know those aren't the same thing. And they negotiated really high salaries for themselves. So it just, it just, um, you just need to ask for what you want, have the research to back it up, have someone in your corner that can keep reminding you of why you need to ask for this much and why you need to put your quote unquote CEO hat on. Um, a lot of times we'll interview and companies will be some self-interested. So they'll say, this is our budget, you know, um, but for you, you forget that, you know, and I've said this before, but you want it 
you know, pay for ideal Montessori or some private school for your child or, you know, finally take your first family vacation after, you know, four years of not doing it or buy better shoes, you know, your shoes are falling apart. You want to do all these things for yourselves, yourself and you feel like you're being greedy or slimy for asking for more when the company is not. The company is a company with no feelings and objectives. So you need to look at yourself as you know, having no feelings and just having objectives. So you could have it on a sticky note where it's like, these are, this is the reason why I need to ask for 15K more than what the top of the range dictates. Or you need to have a career coach or a husband or a wife or someone that loves you to remind you before you get on that first interview and before you talk about salary the second time before you get your offer. And when you're negotiating like the salary or the title um, you know, the package, basically, would you ever explain the whys to the person on the, to the recruiters? Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of career coaches and there's a lot of just um, articles out there that say, and just events that I've gone to where they'll say, remind them of your master's degree or your PhD or this certification and that, and that's fine. But just me as a recruiter and just anyone that works in sales, those reasons kind of just go in one ear and out the other. And we're more so not so much looking at like holes in your logic, but kind of where it's just like, well, so if you say, you know, I have this PhD, so this is why I should get XYZ more. I may say something like, well, to be honest, you know, a PhD was just a nice to have. So we weren't really looking for that. So when you give, in my opinion, when you give these reasons why a, a true, true salesperson is going to have a reason to kind of, in, in a way, not make you feel bad about it, and it'll be polite, but sort of take that footing away from you. Mm. And the difference that I've seen between candidates that get high offers and the candidates that don't are they're not necessarily arrogant, but they just believe they're worth it because they are and because they want it. And I've seen this time and time again time again. And it's the reason why I'm in business and I have this company um, because it, it really does come down to your self-worth and you just asking for what you want and stop talking afterwards and just letting them deal with it. And then I, I usually give my clients the, okay, we'll just say blame it on other interviews because that makes them feel better. And, and a recruiter and a company can't really argue with that and it just positions you well anyway. You can just ask for what you want, say, this is what I'm looking for and just stop talking and then let them answer. Mm -hmm. And alternatively, you can negotiate via email. You could say, Hey, you know, I know that now that we're talking about salary and compensation structure, I'm more comfortable, um, communicating via written form. I like to just, you know, go over the details with my spouse and just, you know, take it in and take a look at it. And it just helps me understand the deal better, whatever you want to mm -hmm. say, but you can do that as well too. Don't think that you need to be Donald Trump or something to get a high offer. I love hiring people that are soft-spoken and they still know their worth and they ask for it because time and time again, all the companies that I've worked for, we've, we've extended offers to those people and we've increased the budget. We've gone back and gotten what they were looking for and hired them. In terms of COVID right now, like, is there anything that you notice that's different in the patterns of how people are negotiating based on before and now? I would say I haven't seen a difference. Um, I would say that there's a little bit more of a desperation throughout the entire job market. So for example, LinkedIn just rolled out this new feature where you can have open for work on mm -hmm. the um, 
you know, I think, I think it'll be easier for you to get an offer and to get a high salary package when you can kind of remind yourself that even with everyone, you know, furloughed and laid off people flooding the market and you not having this thing and not having this, that thing, you're still going to be able to get a soul aligned, perfect for you dream offer. Uh, and you just may need to, for example, network more, you know, use some of the tools that I'm sharing currently through, through my package. You can still get what you want. You don't have to be anything different. You know, COVID is here. Yes. But, you know, there's lots of serendipitous things happening at any, any point in time. Mm -hmm. um, for job seekers. So mm -hmm. having someone in your corner that could keep bringing you back to that, you could join a group where there's other job seekers. I do have my um, entitled earners group where there's a bunch of, you know, manifestation techniques and optimism and, you know, positive vibes in there, meditations and things like that to continue to keep you positive as you're in your job search. And then also just being with your friends more, your spouse, reminding yourself that you're going to, you're going to get what you want, um, regardless of what's happening. I've been speaking to other people about bubbles uh, in the tech industry, and this comes up frequently. Um, do you, have you gotten a sense, I don't know if you're placing people in tech roles. When I say tech, I mean, you know, the range of like, could be marketing, sales, HR, um, engineering. So um, have you noticed that there's a bubble in terms of industries where they're, yes, they're impacted by COVID, but not so negatively as other industries? I haven't really been paying attention to that recently, mm -hmm. honestly speaking. Mm -hmm. um, I think when we were in the, in the throes of it, we saw a lot of industries being affected. But now I think, for example, I know Amazon is, I want to say hiring 30,000 engineers in the Toronto area, not engineers, I want to say engineers and data, data scientists, data analysts. Mm -hmm. So um, in terms of just being able to speak to what the trends are right now, I can't really speak to that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And do you want to go ahead and share your, where people can find you, your website, your program? Yeah, definitely. If you are an Instagram user, you can follow me at career coach Steph on Instagram. And um, if you are a user of LinkedIn, which I don't know, anyone that enjoys just hanging out on LinkedIn, but we can connect there. My name is Stephanie Heath there. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for joining again. And um, again, if you all would like to touch base with Stephanie, you can connect through my website or through the link she mentioned. If you have follow-up questions on salary negotiation, because I know this is always a big topic for people in careers, um, especially women of color, feel free to reach out. Uh, Walktalk.biz, W-O-C, talk.biz. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to walktalk.biz. To learn more about Stephanie Heath, you can say hello to her through email at hello at soulworkandselfies.com or on Instagram at careercoachsteph. To send in questions or topics you want to hear on the show or be added to our upcoming community group and newsletter, drop us a line at www.walktalk.biz. That's W-O-C and the words talk.biz. If you found true value in the show, we would so appreciate it if you helped pay it forward by telling a friend or head over to Apple Podcast and leave a review. This enables other diverse women just like you to source true-to-life career development information. 
We're grateful for your listenership. Tune in next week for another gem on diversity, work, and living out your vision.